0: And I'm just going to pray over this message and pray over this time together and just believing that God's going to just do just an amazing work in us. Lord, this is your time. This is your place. I pray these words of my lips and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable unto you. And I ask that everything that would be spoken today would be like seed falling upon good soil, Lord, producing fruit that would represent the character of the person, the incarnation of Jesus Christ in all of our lives. Lord, I just speak an anointing over this time. We speak in Jesus' name, amen. Jeremiah 29, 11 is ageless, wonderful, beautiful. If you are a grad this year and have had a grad party, you most likely have gotten a card with somebody writing Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, And I just want to read it for you very familiar for those that uh, may be new to the faith, new to Christ, Uh, you might not have heard this before, uh, but I promise you, if you go to uh, Hobby Lobby, you can find this on a plaque somewhere. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you future and to give you hope. You know, you're thinking to yourself, no wonder why we see this on grad cards and plaques and things like that, because I don't know about you, I want that spoken over my life. But in this series, what we have been doing is we have been attacking very, very well-known scriptures that many times are spoken or prayed or memorize without understanding the full context of what it truly means. Because this sounds fantastic because I've prayed this over myself before. I've spoken this over individuals. I've prayed this over babies at baby dedication, Um, praying for good and plans and not disaster, future and hope. It's wonderful to pray, but I wonder if we actually understand what we're praying when we pray, this absolutely beautiful scripture. When I am winding down for the night, I love to hit YouTube. I love just to uh, try to find some sort of video to relax my brain, get me laughing, and try not to get me laughing so hard. I end up waking my wife up and getting myself in trouble because when I hold back my laugh, my body shakes, which means the bed shakes, which means she wakes up and I'm in trouble. So uh, that's just the normal every evening for Dave Berenger. And just a couple nights ago, I was on Twitter and stumbled across an amazing video that I may have watched a dozen times since. I think it was Monday or Sunday night. Uh, I don't know which day it was. Uh, Actually, no, it was the afternoon. I remember now. I was uh, sitting on the couch because I had to show Ethan uh, the video. And there is, it sounds like a group of people, probably anywhere from three to four people in a car... And how many of you know nowadays that if you see something strange going on, that immediately you're going to pull out your phone and record it or take a picture of it? It's the norm. And for this group of people inside the car, they're at a gas station, and they are recording this guy that has just pulled up with his brand new, brand new, fresh from the dealership, Tesla. Uh, A Tesla car is extremely expensive. It is luxurious. It is amazing. It is incredible. But they're at the gas station, and this guy has pulled up. And the reason why they are recording what is going on, and they're talking, and they're laughing, is because this guy is actually walking around the Tesla back and forth. He is touching different parts of the car. And what he is trying to do, it is so obvious. You're at the gas station, at the gas pump. He's trying to find one thing. Do you know what he's trying to find? The gas tank. He is literally circling it, looking all over, he's touching things. And now now these people are talking, they're talking about that little dealership piece of paper on the back of the license plate because they know he is either just come from the dealership or this is his first time filling up his car since buying it. But something you've got to know about a Tesla is this, it's electric. There is no gas tank whatsoever. But this guy for a solid minute and a half I mean, it, it feels like forever watching it, and yet they're laughing, and he's walking around, he's walking around, and they're, they're, they're already saying it. He's going to Google it at any, at any point. At some point, he's going to Google it, sure enough, he pulls out his phone, and you just see the side profile of him, and he's typing on his phone, he's looking, and he clicks, and then he does this leans back and what he mouths are words that I would never say ever, and especially not in the pulpit, but you can read his lips. And you watch his whole body slump down, then he gets back into the car, shuts it, and then drives off to go find a place to actually charge up his Tesla. That to me, I mean, I've watched it over and over. I find it so funny, but I mean, in his head, I mean, he knows this is a great car. I think Pastor Matt is the only one on staff who has actually driven a Tesla. Um, but my guess is he knew, like, what he was going to enjoy. And so then he went here to pick it up and to buy it and to and to kind of get to the place where he can enjoy the luxury of living and operating and driving a Tesla. He could be the envy of everybody around him. Whenever one drives by, I gawk at it. I think they're amazing vehicles. So. But something happened between buying it and the dream of what it was going to do for him. Something happened in the meantime where he just didn't ask simple questions like, what do I do with it? How do I fill this thing up? What type, I mean, I think we all grew up with cars that take gas. So you automatically assume, well, I can just take it to any gas station and I can just fill it up. But this guy, he, he knew where it was began. He knew what he was going to ultimately do with it. But there is something in the meantime that was so disconnected that got him to the place where I don't know about you. I would be in sheer panic. The car is on empty. I'm at the gas tank, a gas station, and I can't find a way to fill it up. This is where I believe a lot of people have troubles with their walks with God, is they will make a commitment to follow God, and they read about the blessings and the hope and the things that Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 talk about. But when it comes to the actual meantime, the space in between committing to Jesus and the hope in the future that we read about and that we pray about, sometimes we get lost in this middle spot. We get lost in what I call in the meantime, getting frustrated and sometimes getting angry, sometimes feeling lost, sometimes feeling like God has abandoned because we had that encounter with Jesus Christ and we read about the life that we're supposed to have, but many times there's so many troubles that come along our way on the normality of life. What I love about Jeremiah chapter 29, and really the book of Jeremiah is really uh, quite a challenging book to read, and there's so much good stuff in this letter from the prophet Jeremiah, but it is just that. It is a letter, and specifically this thing that's being written here in chapter 29 is a word to God's people during a difficult time. God was wanting to give people advice. He was wanting to give them understanding during a very difficult time. Does not that not sound like like what we need today. We need advice. We need understanding for how to navigate this very difficult time. And so we're going to do a little bit of a Bible study today. I want to kind of take a, a cue from Pastor Marty from preaching the week before, where he kind of went word for word in, certain, in terms of keywords for you, the congregation, to help understand the Scripture. But there's three important words I want to look at. So if you're looking at your Bibles, notice the first word is this. The first word is for, F-O-R. The word for is what's called a function word, which indicates there is a purpose taken place. It means this, that something has been said prior that is going to be connected with something that's about to be said. It's kind of like in the New Testament, when we read the word, therefore, in Bible college, they said, listen, whenever you see the word, therefore, you have to ask the question, why is it therefore? It's very simple. The word for here is trying to connect you to something that was said previous. It is that connection word, that function word. It tells us that you've got to do more than read this verse. You need to figure out what it said before to know what the for is there for, which follows the pattern we've been teaching you now for three weeks. When we look at a scripture, we take three steps back. What are the three steps? Look at the surrounding verses. Look at the surrounding paragraph. Look at the surrounding chapter to get the full scope. So let's go back one verse. You see how we, we read, for I know the plans I had for you. That sounded great. So what does the previous verse say? Verse 10, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home. For I know the plans I have for you, said the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you future and a hope. And let me read verse 12. And in those days you will pray, and I will listen. It's so beautiful. But it actually gives an understanding to not just the word for, but the next word, the word plans. The word plans refers to what? Verse number 10, when it says, but you will be there 70 years. Now, as I'm reading this, Israel is, they have been captured, they have been taken into captivity, and so they start praying, God, rescue us from this very terrible situation, and God says this, no problem, I've got a plan, but that plan is for you to be there for 70 years, and I'll be honest, that's not the answer I would want from God. How many of us, when we pray, we want out immediately? How many, I mean, I think we all want that. I don't think any of us pray that, Lord, thank you for this terrible situation. Lord, keep me here for 70 years. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't think any one of us pray that. But here, the word for connects us to the previous verse, and it clues us into the plan that God had. The Israelites were told right there that you're going to be in this situation for 70 years, and that is the plan. The plan is not to remove them, but the plan is for them to stay there. But the plan is not just to stay there, but that God was gonna prosper them in the midst of that. Now, the next word, this is important, is the word you, Y-O-U. For I know the plans I have for you. Now that word "you" is very peculiar in the Hebrew language because that word actually is plural for. All right, if this was the South, we would say this. I I wouldn't read it like a southerner. For for I know the the plans that I have for y'all. That's what it means. For us Northerners, we would say, for I know the plans I have for you all or all of you. God is speaking not to individuals, because we like to take the scripture and just speak it over one individual. Well, This was God speaking over all of his children, saying, I know the plans I have, but get this. The plan is for you to, yes, to be in this place stuck for 70 years, but the beauty is this, is my plans are deeper than just taking you out. That in the middle of your situation, in the meantime of your situation, I'm going to call Cause you to prosper. I'm gonna cause miracles to happen through your life. You're gonna bless the land that, that took you captive. You're gonna be a blessing unto them. You're gonna multiply. You're gonna do amazing things if you just keep your eyes on me. I mean, the reality is this. Is he says, Listen, this miracle is going to be so long in the making that number one, you, you, you're not gonna understand that how it can happen other than it being the Lord. But number two, some of you are not gonna experience the full breadth of the miracle. I mean, this is where I've always said I'm living to at least 120 years old. I've already mapped it out for myself. I'm going to be okay. And if I went to captivity right now, that means I'm not coming out until I'm 100. And if I do my math right, 114 years old. So the reality is that what he's saying is, listen, I am speaking something. The plan is that I'm going to rescue you after 70 years. And guess what? Many of you are not going to taste the full breath and width of this miracle because some of you are going to pass away before that time comes. You're like, this is the most depressing scripture. I thought this was supposed to be an encouraging scripture. But the reality is God was trying to grow something in them in the meantime, because the miracle was going to be more than just taking them out in 70 years. The miracle was what God was going to do in the meantime. uh, Not just here when God started, not just here at the end, but God's plans have more to do with the rescue that comes on the end game. God wants to bless and use you and transform you. And I've learned this, that as we walk our lives out in this crazy world, the deepest growth that happens in my life and in your life comes through persevering life, not skipping life. The greatest growth in our life doesn't come from skipping life, but actually persevering and pushing through where God has us, where we live right here in the meantime, God wants to do things in us that are great and mighty and powerful. And the plans that he has for us do more than just get us to the place of rescue. That I mean, listen, I, I, I love the old hymn, When We All Get to Heaven, What a Day of Rejoicing That Will Be. But I think sometimes that we get so focused on getting to heaven one day, not realizing that between the time that we were born and the time we get to heaven, that there is a meantime timeline that God wants to do something in your life. God wants to do something through your life. And so I don't know about you, I don't want to rush getting to this place because what I want to do is in the midst of the meantime is I want to be like the children of Israel and say, God, I know that you've got me here for a reason. I know I'm in this place in the meantime, but I also know who you are and what you want to do in me. And so far, I don't want to just kind of coast till I get to this place. I want to enjoy where I'm at and live to the fullest so that your kingdom comes in the midst of my Babylon. Have you ever been stuck or felt stuck in the meantime? I love that word, the meantime. I don't know what you guys think about the meantime or what you might feel like as a waiting period. Nowadays, the meantime is Amazon Prime. All right, two days is the meantime. And if for some reason our, our Amazon Prime box did not arrive in the two days that were promised, we think something is wrong. Uh, We just think something is off because something didn't get here. Our meantime is no more than two days. We can't wait more than that. But a meantime, according to Webster's, really means this. It means during the time before something happens or before a specific period ends. I love that. During the time before something happens or before a specified period ends. This is how I would define the 70 years that Israel was stuck in one place. They, that was their meantime. The meantime is the place where you live between what the God that's brought you there and when He brings you out. I love this. Now, I want you to understand. Israel is named Israel for a reason. It began with a promise to a man named Abraham, that flowed into Isaac, that flowed into Jacob, whose name was changed to. Israel, And so the people of God, God began them, God birthed them, God promised them. And the reality is God brought them this far, not to bring them this far. And so the promise of God's people began with God and will always end with God. And when our lives begin with grace, grace kind of carries us through and God's going to take good care of us. God's going to watch over us. God's going to be with us that we don't have to fear the meantime because the meantime is a place where God grows us and uses us and springs miracles from us. Our lives. We can't skip the meantime. That should give us hope for whatever happens that we deal with. It should give us hope for whatever our, our cities or our states or our nations rally, our, our, what we endure. That I know the season of pandemic has been so hard in so many marriages and families over singles, people that are lonely. There are people that are struggling emotionally and mental, mentally during this time. And I know sometimes that we think that, wow, we're in this place. where we, How can we ever move past this? Where will the new normal ever be? But I want you to understand that God is not absent from the meantime. He's with us in the midst of this, and God wants to do something amazing in you through it. And perhaps as sometimes we get lost in the meantime. is because we lose sight. We lose sight of who gave us our beginning and whose hand has been on us through the entire time. Sometimes we forget God has been with us. You remember the old song in Sunday school that he's got the whole world in his hands? And sometimes we... Th- We think that God's got the beginnings in his hands and he's got the ends in his hands, but we forget that God's hand is big enough to hold the beginning, the middle, and the end. I want you to understand this statement. Spiritual growth is not a one-time present. It is a lifetime process. Spiritual growth is not a one-time present. I've been there when I gave my life to Christ, but I want you to understand that was not the extent of my spiritual growth. That was actually the beginning. And God doesn't grow me one day when when I get to heaven and I spend eternity with him. This is the time, the in-between, the meantime where God grows us. And how did God grow the children of Israel? Well, there was a decision on their part. Were they going to listen to God and listen to his instructions, or were they going to listen to other people? Because according to, I promise said, Proverbs, Jeremiah chapter 29, there was actually three other voices. So there are two takes on they're being stuck in the meantime in Babylon. Two different takes. First of all, there was man's take. And then when I say man's sake, there were three false teachers, or we can call them false prophets, named Abba, uh, Zedekiah, and Shemiah. And this is what they said. They said, God's gonna take us out immediately. That's good preaching right there, man. I think that's the type of preaching I wanna say amen to. God, God's gonna take us out immediately. Praise God, we're gonna, that sounds like a, that's a good preacher I wanna follow. And so they said, since God's gonna take us out immediately, don't farm. So don't plant anything, you're not gonna harvest anything. Don't grow a family. God's going to deliver us right now. Don't do anything other than just fix your eyes on God because he's gonna take us out of this immediately. So that was one take on the, the plan. But then God is speaking through Jeremiah and God says, that's not the plan. Don't listen to them. There's a different plan that's here. And actually you can look at the plan that they're supposed to do in the meantime and then you got to go back to verses number four through seven this is what the lord of the armies god of israel says to the captives that he is exiled to babylon from jerusalem look at these words build homes and plan to stay plant gardens eat the food they produce marry and have children and then find spouses for them so they so that you can have many grandchildren. And all the grandparents would say, amen. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for peace and prosperity of the city where I set you into exile. Look at that. You may not agree with the government. You may not agree with the, with the country. But listen, instead of being a curse, he says, work for the peace and prosperity of the city that I have sent you. Pray to the Lord for it for its welfare will determine your welfare. I'm going to stop right there. So the false teacher says, don't plant, don't grow. Um, Spouses, don't sleep in the same bed because you can end up doing things and then having babies, and we're not going to have babies here. We're not going to start growing our families here. We're going to get out right now, and God gives them a different word because instead of staying around in the midst of crisis and acting like a bunch of casualties, God says, no, in the midst of the meantime, you're going to actually have the greatest growth right here. You're going to have a harvest right here. You're going to have things happen right here. You're going to see your, your, your families begin to spread right here. See, I want you to understand that you can face crisis without becoming a casualty. Let me say that again. You can face crisis without acting like a casualty. I think so often I have seen during our time here, uh, during our pandemic, that I think that we've gotten so wrapped up with what is wrong, and I think it's, it's time that this, like, to live out what the scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I know we're kind of stuck in the meantime, but you can either say, well, well we're just going to sit here and fold our hands and say, God, take us out, or we can really act upon the word of the Lord here where God says, listen, I, you're in this place right now, but guess what? You don't have to sit on your hands you don't have to act like a slave you don't have to act like that you're, you're in you're in complete a crisis mode but you can face this and say you know what here we can begin to grow our family we can begin to plant and see harvest we can begin to be a blessing to the community around us that we can begin to encourage we can pray, we can act that we don't have to have life happen to us but God we through you we don't have to live like slaves we can live like servants of the most high and so the word is don't just wait it out until it ends, don't just complain on social media, be a person that looks and says that this might not be the most ideal situation but my ideal situations or any situations doesn't stop God from working and I wrote that down in my notes today I felt like that was a word for somebody this, whether it's uh, watching here live or right here on Sunday morning I wrote this down just because your situation isn't ideal doesn't stop God from working just because your situation is not what you planned I've had people come to me five years, six years after they've gotten married and say, boy, marriage is not what I thought it was going to be. And I smiled. I'm like, it's because you had to listen during premarital counseling, but it's all good that life isn't always ideal, but just because something isn't ideal doesn't mean that God can't work in it. And so I just want to give you a couple takeaways from this beautiful scripture, for I know the plans I have for you. I, honestly, every time I read it now, uh, after really doing a deep study, I'm thinking to myself, when I'm praying for God's plans for the, for the, to not fail, but to prosper and have future and have hope, I have to understand that what I'm praying is, God, I'm open to those 70-year plans. I'm, ho- I'm praying and being open for those not-so-ideal moments because those began to be the places where you do the most work in me. So let me give you a few takeaways. Number one, recognize that our plans for good and God's plans for good may not be the same. Our plans for good and God's plans for good may not be the same. I I'll give I'll give props to my intern, Josh, for helping me out with, with this message. Did some study and wrote down some great things. And that's something that he came up with that I thought was just powerful. That I think many times that we feel good about something and we attach God to it. But when something bad happens, immediately, well, God just left us and abandoned us. But if you were to look at the scripture and say, God's got a plan. His plan is for good. His plan is for greatness. His plan is for awesomeness here. If, I don't know if that's a word. Uh, but... God's got this plan and that plan can't include something that's uncomfortable. But if you read one verse earlier and you read the whole chapter, you realize it's a 70 year long plan of being kind of in captivity. And God can still work good, even though it doesn't feel good. And sometimes when, when terrible happens, we think God is absent. But often God grows our lives, not from pulling us out of our struggles, but growing us up through them. God's goodness doesn't come just because he pulls us up out in the meantime, out of the moment, but many times God's good is not because he pulled us out. God's good comes when he grows us through the most terrible and trying situations. God's plans are not always our plans, but God's plans are always good. Number two, engage in your season of struggle. Engage in your season of struggle. Look at that verse, verses, verses four through seven. Look at those key words, build homes, plan to stay, plant gardens, eat the food they produce, marry and have kids, find spouses for your kids so that, they, so that you have many grandchildren, multiply, work for the peace, Pray to the Lord for the community. Look at those strong words. God, in the meantime, God's like, don't sit on your hands and just pray that I come and pull you out of this, but engage in your season of struggle. And my question is this, is how can you engage in a Christ-centered way right now in the meantime? While we are enduring this this pandemic, what can you do today to begin to engage in your season of struggle? I believe some of you right now need to redo your approach on social media. I think some of you need to start dealing with the marriage issues you've been putting off. I've been, I believe some of you need to stop um, thinking and pondering on people and what you think about them and you're getting so churned up and bitter. Some of you need to t- toss that aside and begin to speak blessings over individuals. I am a firm believer that this pandemic did not bring up anything new in our lives. In fact, it has only revealed what has been deep down in our hearts. And this is the time to begin to engage And look at those words, begin to build homes. Some of us need to rebuild our homes, our marriages, our our, our relationship with our kids during this time. Some of us need to to make greater plans to stay put instead of abandon where we're at. Some of us need to start planting things and begin to eat what we produce. Some of us need to marry and have kids. Some of us need to find spouses for those kids and begin to care for our children. Uh, Work for the peace, do the work for the peace. Pray to the Lord over the individuals in your life. Look at these words. God wants to work in the meantime. He wants you to plant things to harvest them. Some of you want to want to harvest joy, start planting joy. Some of you want to harvest peace, start planting peace. Some of you want to see things built in your marriages, take the initiative and start building in your marriages. At the meantime is not for a time for us to sit down. It's a time for us to engage. Lastly don't allow your circumstances to define what is the voice of God. Don't allow your circumstances to define what's the voice of God. Israel, if you read the entire chapter and actually the chapters around it, you'll see that Israel got caught up listening to the voices of those three, Abba, Zedekiah, and Shemaiah. They got caught up listening to something that made them feel good instead of looking to the one that was good. And there's so much that we can get into of finding things to feel good. If you, I've, I've learned this, that if you have any opinion on anything whatsoever, you can find a YouTube to support your opinion. You can find some article to support what makes you feel better. But we can either go after what makes us feel good or we can go after the one that is good because the one that is good is the one that will help us to find the goodness of where we're at and will lead us toward the good and the promises that he ultimately has for us. So there's things that you can do to just help define the voice of God. Um, This... Uh, Think about this. Seek God's heart to understand what is good for you. Actually seek the heart of God. Go into prayer for things that you're seeking. Dive deeper into Scripture. Get trusted counsel from godly people. Um, Fast for answers when you need to know an, an answer. Fast, and what fasting simply means, it means pulling yourself back. In fact, I think one of the most beautiful things about fasting is when we are taking a dedicated time, usually toward eating something specific, And we take that time and we begin to devote that to the one that is with us in the midst of the meantime. I know God has plans for for us. I know his plans are for us to to have good and not disaster and to give you a future and a hope. But some of us have to understand that the plans that God has is not trying to rescue us out of the meantime just to plop us at the end. But God wants to meet us in the middle of all of the meantime. And the ultimate goal will be that there will be good and there will be future. There won't be disaster, but there will be hope. Can he meet you with that in the midst of it? Yes, but he will bring you hope and he will bring you goodness and he will bring you all of those things not to rescue you, but to grow you through it as you continue through the roads of life because what he leads you to will be the accumulation of everything that he has brought you through here. And today, I just want to pray over individuals that right now you're just struggling in the meantime. I've dealt with so many individuals over the past four months of people that honestly feel devastated and hurt by how, and I'll just say us, the church, have been responding on social media and in other outlets for individuals or whether we're talking pandemic or race or government or masks or no mask or whatever it may be. I think we have made much ado about other things, and we have forgotten that we are living in this meantime, in this in-between birth and death. And the goal is not to make a name for ourselves, but the goal is that we would make a name for Jesus in the midst of this. I want to read you the message paraphrase. This is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up and not a day before, I will show up and I will take care of you as I promise to bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I've got it all planned out. Plans to take care of you and not to abandon you, plans to give you future that you hope for. Understand that in the meantime that you may be going through some rough stuff but we've got one that's with us. And he'll continue to instill hope. He'll still continue to instill future. He'll still continue to to, to instill peace in our lives. And he will meet us in the meantime because what he's growing in us is the person of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're listening today and you're hurting right now because in the meantime, maybe you're just going through deep, dark depression because you just miss people. Maybe you're going through loneliness. Maybe you're going through just immense hurt. Maybe you've seen a severing of relationships during this time. Maybe job has, has not happened the way you thought it would happen or maybe even the start of the, the, the school year is not what you thought it was going to be. I'm here to tell you that in the meantime, even though we may see things happen, that God can meet us in the midst of that. He doesn't come in to discipline us and to beat us up and to, and to break us, but he's come in to meet us and to heal us and to guide us and to lead us. And there is a promise on the other side. And, our, and our, our goal right now is to be faithful because he's always been faithful. And you don't have to be strong for God. He's already strong enough for you. And he wants to meet you in this place to touch your life, to change your life, and to meet you right here in the meantime. Let me pray. Jesus, I speak over every individual that is watching, that is maybe listening maybe driving in a car, just listening to Sunday's message, just trying to take in what's, what's happening in their church. And, Lord, I ask that for every individual that right now, maybe they feel like Israel and they, are, they just feel abandoned, Lord. And I recognize that just because we feel something doesn't mean it's true. But, Lord, I pray that people that are living in this meantime season, they feel abandoned. They feel like they're in the midst of their 70 years, so to speak. They feel exiled and lost. Spirit of God, I ask that they would just have a God moment, a Holy Spirit moment in the car and at home throughout the day, going for a walk, that they would have a gentle reminder. Lord, just like Jeremiah was the reminder to the children of Israel, God, I pray that you would send a Jeremiah. I pray this, Lord, I pray this message would be a Jeremiah message that says, I know what's going on and don't worry because I'm with you. And while you're going through this, you're going, to, you're going to begin to build things, Lord. I speak that prophetically over people, Lord, that Jeremiah 29, seven, Lord, I pray that in this season, this meantime season, that you would build things that people said could not be built. You would put families together in ways that people can't, just can't even fathom, that, Lord, we see people planting and harvesting Things in the spiritual realm as well as emotionally, mentally, even physically, God, I pray that you would, Lord, that we would see a great harvest come out of this season whenever it ends, God, that happened only because we chose to plant. We chose to do hard work in our relationships, hard work in our marriages, hard work uh, uh, within our community, God. I pray that we would, Lord, work hard to seed. We work hard to pray over our community. We work hard, God, to be who we are supposed to be in the midst of this time of the meanwhile. This is your time. And even though we're going through this, God, and even though a lot of it doesn't really feel good, we do recognize and we confess you, we know you are good. And according to the psalmist, your good and your mercy, it pursues us, chases us, and helps us all of the days of our lives, even in the meanwhile. I thank you, Lord. I give you all praise and glory. In your name we pray it all. Amen.